Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. So you cannot say this isn't retro wrestling content because WWE Ventures 2003 was the first ever SmackDown exclusive brand pay-per-view. And soon after this, WWE would decide to do way too many of these shows it all became so boring. The best part, though, is that even though this was 20 years ago, going into the thing, we had John Cena, da-da-da-do, versus The Undertaker, bong, and everybody had decided, you know what, John Cena has to win. It's time he can beat the dead man. This will be awesome for him, and then we can push him to the moon. Until the day of the show. <laughs> That's right. So you can only presume that Vince McMahon woke up on this day, and he walked into the Pepsi Center in Colorado, and decided, you know what, there's not enough chaos right here. Let's inject some. It did mean that the phenom was now going over, and actually a lot of his inner circle disagreed with this, but his reasoning was he didn't think the time was right to have seen a win because he didn't want him to be a star. I mean, I've added in that last bit. There's something about sports entertainment I've never understood. If you want to make a star, they have to beat a star, so just have him beat the star. And look, there was truth to that at the time, and I suppose Johnny Boy went on to do okay still stand by it. We'd also started to build towards our big Triple H and Goldberg match at SummerSlam with a press conference. And we all remember how that was going to go. Plus around this time, Kane also set Jim Ross on fire. Because why wouldn't you do that? If I'd been around back then, the crime counter would have been here. People were also saying that Vince McMahon wanted to buy the UFC, so Dana White came out and said that's absolutely BS and it's not true. But given that recently these two companies have merged, don't forget, from day one, it was Shane McMahon saying, Dad, you should buy them, Dad, you should buy them, Dad, you should buy them. But Vince didn't think they were going to be around in the next few years. That was totally a mistake. Amazingly, too, the fallout from the Montreal screw job was still going on. Because after an episode of Raw in July, Shawn Michaels was like, Look, I did apologize to Bret Hart. I said sorry. When the hitman popped up and went, No, he didn't. That's a lie. He was so mad about this, too, understandably so. That's why in 2003, nobody ever thought Bret was going to return. As we always say, never say never. Going back to Triple H as well, this is also when he'd fallen out with Rob Van Dam, apparently, after they had done a match and Robert booted him way too hard in the head. So it was the start of a political war. I never want to go through that again. And actually, RVD chatted about this on his podcast recently. You should go and check it out. There's no smoke without fire. Incredibly as well, Goldberg's relationship with the company had already broken down because they were already saying, hey, Bill, we want you to work more dates. And Goldberg was like, but my contract says I don't have to work more dates, so I'm not going to. Surprise, surprise, by 2004, he left. But still, almost 10,000 people did head out in Denver to watch Vengeance 2003, and over 400,000 individuals bought it on pay-per-view. And even though numbers were dwindling, because this was post-Attitude Era, well, now in hindsight, we can look at it and say, I didn't do that bad. Let's up those doubts. Now, we don't usually talk about the dark matches when we do these things, but we do have to here, because on Vengeance 2003, it was Canyon versus Ultimo Dragon. It only went five minutes, but I tell you, if only Vince McMahon had understood so-called cruiserweight wrestling, we could have done so much with Ultimo Dragon and maybe even ushered the future of wrestling in earlier. But you know the deal. You don't look booking airports, so we ain't going to do anything with you. He did win for the record, but would he do much else? No, 
No, he wouldn't. If you did have a little bit more mass on you, though, McMahon would give you a little bit of a push, which is why our first match is Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero for the brand new, newly reformed US title. Now, don't pretend that WWE cared about such championships at this time. And in fact, they would actively point at them and go, <laughs> what an absolute waste of time. I'm still asking myself this question. What is the point? How does that help anyone? Because we had split Raw and SmackDown, though, after the brand split, we had to throw some trinkets here and there, which is why somebody had the bright idea. Well, we bought WCW. Let's just bring back the United States Championship. These two, of course, had a really good match, though, because they had been working together for years. And as I always say when we do retro ups and downs, no, I don't particularly like watching Chris Benoit matches anymore. You may have a different opinion to that, but we've put it out there. Let's just move on. Now, a forgotten plus of having Raw pay-per-views and SmackDown pay-per-views is that people were given so much more time. And if you can believe it, Benoit and Guerrero, well, I think they went about 20 minutes. And it essentially goes from wrestling to smacking each other in the face through German suplexes, the Hurricane Ranas, and the escalation here. By the end of it, they are just punching each other right in the face. As I bet a producer in the back was like, oh no, they've forgotten that wrestling isn't real. What I absolutely love the most about all of it, though, is even though you have Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, who are very much wrestlers wrestling, WWE was still like, well, we have to have some kind of shenanigans. What planet are you living on? So the referee gets burned. This is the start of Eddie becoming the absolute best, though, because as soon as this does happen, he grabs the US title and he just smashes Benoit right in the head. And even though he is able to follow this up with the frog splash, of course, the official takes ages to do the three, so Benoit is able to kick out. It's so well done, though, because then Guerrero is furious. The referee has made a mistake, so he takes him out again. People sometimes go, why is Eddie Guerrero considered one of the best ever? This is why. He also throws the evidence into Chris's hands because he was doing that old trick, but none of it is successful. Because then all of a sudden he finds himself in the crossface and he taps instantly. But once again, there's no referee. It doesn't count. Wrestling. The championship then continued to be used as a weapon, but Benoit ducked it and started smashing out the German suplexes. But if you can believe it, when he goes for the diving headbutt, he hits the referee again because Guerrero kind of pulls him in the way. Honestly, I was laughing my ass off. This is out of control. It was all done so we could have a massive swerve. So I suppose Vince Russo was hiding someone in the building going, bro, bro, I've got an idea. Because Rhino turns up in his heavily tease he's going to hit Guerrero, who even does that because he's worried about it. But instead, the man beast takes out Benoit. And he's totally cooked. Also, do remember that on SmackDown before this, we had got into it that, oh my gosh, Eddie Guerrero hates Rhino. Rhino hates Eddie Guerrero. But here he worked out. He hit the frog splash. He gets the one, two, three. New champion. It's actually wonderful watching it today as well because you knew that Eddie was going to use this as a platform to just go up and up and up and up. Given that I've said that word and that it is damn entertaining. It is getting it up, which is potentially not the same for what followed. Because despite what people say, in 2003, the Attitude Era was very much alive, if in tone alone. Because Vince McMahon is backstage talking to Stephanie, and the big discussion point is that on Raw, Kane had tried to murder Linda McMahon. Oh no. Vince was also smelling flowers when his daughter walked in, so even though they kind of have a passive-aggressive energy here, he is like, well, I got some flowers for you. And Steph like, they're beautiful, and he goes, no. These ones aren't for you, they're for Sable, who you do have to take on later in a match. This is what I did. Just close my eyes and stare off into the distance. You ain't gonna believe it. Although saying that, it's almost not as mad as the next match which is Billy Gunn versus Jamie Noble. Today, Noble is a WWE agent, and you'll see him all the time when a bunch of officials are trying to break up brawls. And we know the deal with Billy Gunn. He has gone to AEW and is arguably having the best run of his career. So fair play to both of them. They are successes. 
This is an absolute mess. Because Tory Wilson and Tough Enough winner Nidia are out with their respective men. And the whole point of this is that if Jamie Noble is able to beat the badass, he is allowed to sleep with Tory. Now, look into my face. I'm not joking. This is the storyline. I want to die. Given what happened in the first match too, this is even more bonkers because Tory Wilson and Nidia interfere like crazy. Now, to be fair, from Tory's point of view, I totally understand it. Oh, you don't want to sleep with this man? Well, tough. Of course you'd interfere. It's also genuinely funny to see how much bigger gun is than Noble. Not that you can't do these kind of a matches, but I've met Billy. Honestly. You have no idea the man is ginormous. Gunn also spends most of his time wheeling his ass throughout all of this. And even though he does attack Jamie Noble during his entrance, you already know the deal here. Even if you've never seen Vengeance 2003, Noble wins. He also kisses Tori against her will at one point, which made me want to pull my non-existent hair out. And of course, when Tori Wilson is on the apron, Jamie Noble pushes Billy Gunn into her. That caused the distraction when he hits the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. He holds the tights and he gets the one, two, three. And as soon as the ref went three, I went, no, I don't want to see unsolicited sex. Wilson also reacts to this exactly like you would expect. It's terrible. It's so offensive and it's so bad and it never should have happened giving it a down. When we all took drugs, or at least somebody did. Because Fanaki had gone to talk to the APA about something when they just go, oh, we think you should be a Japanese reporter. What? Now, of course, this was the start of Fanaki becoming SmackDown's number one reporter. And while he was very good at this, you can't get away from it. It's a little bit offensive. For some reason, a dude in an Easter bunny then walks by as Bradshaw promises that one, he's going to get drunk, and two, he's going to win the barroom brawl match, which is about to happen. Now, I tried to find some context for this, but I couldn't. I think WWE may have just forgotten to tell us. It did tie in though, because we then did get this barroom brawl and we had literally set up a bar in the corner. I don't know what to tell you. You also have a crazy amount of people in this because you do have the APA, you have Orlando Jordan, Spanky, the FBI, Matt Catapelli, John Hennigan, Canyon, again, the Easter Bunny, Doink the Clown, which sent me crazy, Los Conquistadors, Matt Hardy, Dana Moore, Brother Love, Sean O'Hare, Brooklyn Brawler, and Funaki. Madness. I suppose there were no rules, so all that did happen is every wrestler gets some weapons, they smash each other over the head, and a few other dudes went through a window. Oh, this was perfectly fine. I suppose the idea is you can't fall down because in a barroom brawl, if you hit the floor, you'd be out. So it ends with Bradshaw getting a bottle and he slams it over Brother Love's head and he just gets the win. Seconds before this too, Fanaki eliminates himself because he gets drunk and he too falls down. I don't know what I'm meant to do. I also don't know what Bradshaw won here. Maybe it was in a year's time you're going to completely change your gimmick and become the champion. But this is one of those times when WWE does something so bad Somehow it doesn't become a 180 and it becomes good. I mean, it is just ridiculous fun. And actually, when you see Bradshaw, you can see the start of JBL. He's totally changed his hair. So look, it's super short. Was I entertained? I was up. But it is right back in the gutter after this. Because we cut backstage and not only is Jamie Noble basically going, oh my gosh, I'm going to get to sleep with Tori Wilson. But he is reading the Playboy edition that had Tori in it. And the joke is the pages are all stuck together. Well, I'm sure you can figure it out. This totally made me hate my life, especially when some random dude walks up to Jamie and he's honestly like a kid at Christmas. And do not give that to your kid at Christmas because they're underage. And once again, it's really, 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 really insulting. I am giving it a down. 
I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't, right? Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. The absolute strangest cut comes after this, though, because we go from this to seeing Rey Mysterio makes his entrance. I was like, what even is WWE in 2003? Rey was also teaming up with Billy Kidman to take on the world's greatest tag team of Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. So you've heard those names. This is probably the best thing on the show. The SmackDown tag team titles are also on the line. And as we always talk about when we get to retro ups and downs, Mysterio just keeps popping up here, there and everywhere. And he's never bad. Genuinely, I've never seen him have what you'd even call an average match. The dude is ridiculous. Kidman is also on his game here and massively over just because of the shooting star press. Now, look, if you exist in 2023, you're like, shooting star press, that's nothing. But back in 2003, when somebody jumped forwards just to go backwards while doing a flip, well, it blew your mind. And nobody was doing it better than Bill. I mean, sometimes he did just jump straight into Tin of the Turnbuckle. Otherwise, it's pretty good. I mean, it was totally innovative for the US scene and how he got over in WCW. And him and Rey Mysterio keep this up because at one point, Rey runs at Kidman, who just throws him into the corner and he gave Charlie Haas a hurricane runner. I was like, man, that was amazing. That is the same for Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin overall too because these guys are way ahead of the game. If we had just kept them together a little bit longer, they probably would have been all time. I absolutely love the finish as well because there is a little bit of miscommunication between Billy Kibben and Rey Mysterio. When the world's greatest best whoop-de-doo tag team 
basically do a reverse doomsday device onto Mysterio, and that is one badass finish. One, two, three. I was like, hell yeah. Now the whole tease had been before this and after that Billy was going to turn on Ray, and even though it looks like he is going to do it here, he changes his mind and he doesn't. He's a nice man. However, this is really, really good. And if you're only going to watch one match and it's not the main event, this is the one up. We see some footage from SmackDown after this to tie into our next match, which is Stephanie McMahon versus Sable. And of course, they just rip each other's tops off. Why wouldn't you do that? Let's never go back to this. I was totally baffled though, because you then get to this contest and the stipulation is no count out. It's like, no count out? What is going on? Do you know what though? This isn't half bad. Like, you have to go into it with the right expectations. But if you do do that and you remember who Sable was, you remember who Stephanie McMahon was, well, I think they pretty much did as well as they could do. It's all right. The big spot, of course, is Steph ripping Sable's top off once again. Because we have to have bra and panties on every show. And I think there's meant to be some ha-ha funny funny too. Because referee Brian Hebner then takes off his referee shirt to try and cover up Sable. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes all the difference. It is so funny though, because the only reason this happens is to cause a distraction. Because the A-Train arrives and he hits Stephanie McMahon so hard. I don't think she chose how to take that bump. She just gets annihilated. I mean, it's so brutal I laughed. Like freaking out at a funeral. It also allows Sable just to get the cover for the one, two, three. And like I say, this is exactly what we should have done without all the stupid sexy, sexy time. So as ever, I shall break my sister because based on pure effort alone, you do have to give it an up. But given that the story was just about exposing breasts, we have to give it a down. I mean, how can I do anything else? It stands to reason. Which is when we do get to this Undertaker versus John Cena match. The only word I can come up with is interesting. Because not only do you get Biker Taker, which I've told you before is not my favorite version of The Undertaker, you also get super duper early John Cena. I mean, you can see that he's going to fly, but he hasn't yet, which means when you do watch this, you are existing in some weird alternative dimension. I'm not sure that I like it. Dead Man also wrecks Cena for a long old time before John goes and spits water in his eyes. It's like 2023 John Cena would never do that. That's not hustle, that's not loyalty, that's not respect. You can tell that he was meant to win at one point before he did change things around. Cause from nowhere, Taker grabs him, gives him the choke slam, and he has the one, two, three, but he pulls John's shoulder off the mat. Now the only reason you do do that in a wrestling match is cause you are the star and you're about to lose, but I suppose they had planned the match. So that bit stayed in, but Cena was gonna be defeated. I mean, that is two plus two equals potato. It turned out to be a terrible idea because Cena then spikes him with a DDT when he exposes T of the turnbuckle and he throws the Undertaker into it. So I was doing it again. I was like, <laughs> imagine modern John Cena using these kind of tactics. So for years, people have been like, uh, we need heel John Cena. He is flubbing right here. I think it's a little bit weird because Taker sells this like he has internal injuries. And I was like, well, it was more kind of your head that went into it. I mean, his body does hit it too. This is when John just goes to work on the stomach, or as I would call it, the tum-tum. He also applies the STFU, and that's where you go, oh my gosh, the Undertaker's gonna tap out. It's going to be amazing. Which again, I do think was the original finish, but it don't happen. I will say that it is a success because both guys sell this wonderfully, but then you get to the next spot, you're kind of shrugging your shoulders again. Because Cena still whams him in the gut with a steel chair. He hits the FU. The Undertaker kicks out. When John decides, well, I'm now going to do the 10 punches in the corner, even though we've been fighting for 15 minutes, which when the Undertaker hits the last ride, one, two, three. 
I was stunned. It's no surprise that around this time, loads of people were going, man, that Mark Calloway, he doesn't put anybody over. Which actually is also a little bit unfair, because this was a Vince McMahon call. On camera, though, it did make John Cena look silly. He had absolutely obliterated this man but he couldn't get the job done. It means we're back here once again because you can't argue with the meat and bones of this. It's actually a far better match than I was anticipating, so it gets an up, but the finish is dumb. Even though you can say, well, it's not dumb, Simon, because John Cena went on to become one of the best of all time. Yeah, but I'm living in 2003 here. It's like I'm in Back to the Future 4. Should be a terrible plot for a movie. Point is, down. I think I know why McMahon may have been making bonkers decision on this evening, though, because up next is his own match. That's right. Now you will have a mini meltdown when I do remind you of his opponent, because that is correct. He has decided to take on the one-legged warrior, Zach Gowan. This is as awkward now as it was then. And let's not pretend otherwise. Zach was an incredibly gifted performer, and how he did this when he had lost a limb, I will never know. But McMahon has decided, well, because of this ailment, I must absolutely destroy you, which is basically what he does. McMahon also comes in the size of a house, which is hilarious, as is Gowan hitting a damn acai moonsault. Now, once again, in 2023, everybody is doing this, but in 2003, where well, you kind of looked at it like he was an alien. Soon, Vinny, of course, is working over the leg because he couldn't handle himself. But the funniest part is a quote from the Wrestling Observer newsletter with Dave Meltzer. For he said... Zach wasn't able to sell his leg properly <laughs> for obvious reasons. I died. I was like, yes, of course, Dave. Otherwise, he'd just have to lay on the ground. I don't think you needed to say it. Gowan does return fire and at one point even puts Vince McMahon's testicles into Rita the ring post. When he does this drop kick to Vince McMahon's head with a chair in between them, and honestly, you would never do this today, he whams him so hard that McMahon starts to bleed. Now, I presume that Vinny did blade, but if you told me this was hard way red stuff, I would totally believe you. That is gnarly. The finish absolutely sucks as well, because straight after this, Zach Gowan goes for the moonsault, a normal one. He misses, and Vince McMahon just pins him. I was like, wait a minute, you're the one that just got hit in the head with a steel chair? How does that make any sense? So it allows Zach to stand in the ring like he's the hero, which actually was quite nice because everybody applauds him. But if you want to tell me this is a little bit gratuitous, I think you're right. And look, once again, he is a hero just for being there in the first place. When you watch this as a wrestling match, it doesn't work and only exists so Vince McMahon can beat a guy with one leg. That's the truth. I'm just being the messenger boy. You can see it for yourself getting it down. We then have a quick backstage segment with Eddie Guerrero where Josh Matthews arrives looking like he's only just been born. He's like, Eddie, how can you be happy you won the title? The whole damn thing is tainted. Guerrero is awesome because of course he is. He's like, man, you can go and tell Chris Benoit he's at fault to that. And as for Rhino, well, he's not my friends. I don't need friends. All I need is this championship. And he runs off. I tell you, Eddie Guerrero is the best. Which is when we do get to the main event. And I would just tell you this, it allows Vengeance 2003 to end with a bang. For it is Big Show versus Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar for the SmackDown World title. And while it is a little bit weird Big Show being there because you just want to see Kurt versus Brock, that's essentially what we were going to be building to. And when you know that, this is fire. It also puts Brock in a really interesting position because of course in terms of this match, Big Show is the monster. So he has to start selling his ass off. And this is probably one of the earliest matches where you go, oh my gosh, he is the greatest seller in the history of wrestling. I mean, he is flying around the place. It is the most WWE thing ever, in the sense that Big Show gives them both a double suplex, meaning Brock and Kurt are like, well, now we've got to work together. 
So they give him a double choke slam. And then instantly, Brock gives Kurt Angle the F5. I mean, this is great. Lesnar then goes crazy with this as he F5s the big show, which will always be impressive. And just as he is about to win, Angle pulls the referee out of the ring. So, of course, it's yet more shenanigans, but these three just make it work. It just sets Lesnar on fire, though, which is the point. So, given that the big show is on the ropes, he gives him a bomb of power. And he does a mini run first. I've told you before and I'll tell you again, Brock Lesnar isn't human. Kurt then realised he was a little bit flubbed, so he gets a chair, much like the last match. He hits Brock Lesnar so hard in the head three times, you would never be allowed to do it in 2023. Like, if Brock's head rolled off, I'd be like, of course it did, Kurt. What were you expecting? So then boots the chair into Angle's face, and of course he's bleeding. <laughs> Why do you think there's so many concussion injuries now? They don't hold back at all. We shouldn't have done it. Angle, of course, then is bleeding all over the place, because unlike today in 2003, WWE loved the red stuff. But we use this to kind of ramp up Kurt, and he turns into an absolute machine. Honestly, this is peak cut angle. In many ways, he's untouchable. So he grabs the big show and he gives him the angle slam through Alan the announce table. I was just dying because this was a game of one-upmanship who can do the daftest move. It was really smart too because of course it meant now that the big show had been taken out of it, we could do Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle. And if you have never seen these two go at it, you do not know what you're missing out on. Like if we were going to have a list with best chemistry wrestlers, they would be in it. It's just fabu. We also go right for the German suplexes and because Lesnar wants to tell you how good he is at getting his ass whipped, he takes one and he does the flip thing that somebody like an AJ Styles or a Finn Balor would do. But Brock Lesnar is like 10 times the size. He is all tired. Big Show is then taking a Phoenix down, so he's out of the ashes and he hits another double choke slam, but both guys are kicking out at three. Actually, no, Brock Lesnar kicks out, but then Lesnar does the whole one, two, ha-ha, and he jumps on everyone. Probably because he was about to lose. Because Angle kind of takes inspiration from all of this. Not only does he put Brock Lesnar into the ankle lock until the Big Show saves him, but the Big Show then gets Angle slammed, Brock gets Angle slammed, and Kurt just pins him for the one, two, three, and he is the champion. I was like, man, that kind of came out of nowhere. Of course, it is really clever, though, because the plan going forward was this amazing feud between these two. So this is an absolutely stellar main event. You may go watch it again. I'm not even joking. Getting it up. Before we do leave as well, I shall give you Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer star rating so you do get a second opinion. Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit got four stars. Maybe Noble versus Billy Gunn got one star. The Barroom Brawl was a dud. The tag team match got four stars. Sable versus Steph got half a star. Taker versus Cena got three and a quarter stars. Vince versus Zack got one and a half stars. And the main event got three and three quarter stars. So it is a definition of an ups and down show because you can watch the wrestling and be like, oh man, it's so good. And you can watch the angles and be like, I never want to watch sports entertainment again. But given the tag match and the opener and the main event, I'm giving it up. Now, please do leave a comment below and let me know what you think about Vengeance 2003, maybe back then and today. Before you like the video, share the video and subscribe. Click this video here, wherever it is, for a retro, retro ups and downs. It's very confusing. Whatculture.com, social media. Have a good day. Love thy neighbor. Give somebody a kiss as long as it's consensual and you know them and you've asked for it first. Otherwise, it's a bit weird. Take care. See you soon. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.